So I have a tendency to attract a lot of evangelists. And so on Tuesday, when they were in my living room, I talked all about Ephesians, talked about the fivefold ministry, and I'm, I'm training uh, these different individuals to honor every gift. And I told them, you need to begin to listen to voices that are biblically sound, but sound different. One of the things that's helped 33rd really with the connection of evangelism to churches is Chris and I, at certain points of our lives, we've both been senior pastors. I don't know how well or good we were at can it. I just, can we just take a moment here? I just <laughs> pause for all those yeah, people. Just, we, I want you to we, jump right back in. I just want to take a moment to publicly repent apologize. <laughs> and apologize. Dude, the, there were some, I, some counseling sessions. I felt so not, bad. Not just counseling sessions, just moments where I preached and ministered. Remember how like that thing where God said, if you're a gift to the body of Christ, be something. Yeah. Like, I just want to say I'm sorry to every elder, (laughs) to every person that I offended. Uh, It's like they were, they were, they helped us. Yes. They were our guinea pigs. They called us the boys. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I I was 26. I mean, you were, were you 28 when we started? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've actually, we were, we couldn't get more young and dumb. Yeah. We were, we made so many mistakes. But, but we had good moments. But we had great moments. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that experience taught us so much from a church perspective, Got it. from a pastoral perspective, and how to relate evangelists to the local church. Yeah. We had the same struggles of so many failed new believers groups when we first started, or trying outreaches and no one would get saved, or you know, the, the same, the same challenges that every church in America and maybe the globe faces today. And the same conversations of, man, how do we reach our community? How do we see the lost saved? How do we, how do we get somebody saved? And then they stay, they get plugged in, they begin to be discipled and, and so many times trial and error along the ways. And that foundation has been so helpful now as we are able to bring this gift of belong or this, obviously the gift in Chris, this gift in so many of of our interns and staff that are these evangelists at heart. But now how do they relate to the church? How do they relate to the body of Christ? And so as Chris has alluded to, as we were talking about previously, that competition or that challenge of all these fivefold people relating to one another, if you don't come in with that humility and that, that heart to say, look, we're, we're all in here to see one thing happen. That is for the people in our community or our city or our state, wherever it may be for them to hear the message of Jesus and for them to follow him. Who gets the glory is irrelevant. Who's the one who preached the message. It's irrelevant. Who got the word and who had the idea. It's irrelevant. How do we collectively work together to see the city's transformed and that, and that it's full of challenges along the way. Full of them. Yeah. Well, I think belong is actually part of that bridge because you need, 
and belong because it's such active discipleship. You need people with much more of a pastoral type heart to be able to engage in that, but nobody's showing up to belong without evangelism. So like you're, it's, let me, let me just say this before you answer this. Wait, I don't know if we should let you say this. Well, I remember (laughs) when we first started belong, I remember telling Chris who I thought the person should be or the people should be like, who do we build belong around? Yeah. And because in my mind, I'm thinking pastoral, I'm thinking we need a strong, boisterous evangelist that can, that everybody can follow. He's, you know, he or she's the walk into a room, the whole room changes. I remember Chris telling me. You just described yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember Chris telling me, he's like, he's like, we need somebody who thinks like that pastoral heart who has that edge to them on the pastoral, that teacher side that can not just, you know, rally the troops, but can love them and steward them and disciple them and train them. And it, it challenged me because I, I used to think so this way and I had to realize, well, that may be a spark that may help spark it, but what's going to carry it and sustain it will probably be somebody totally different. And that's that partnership that Mm -hmm. we need. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, in, in the New Testament, okay, there's one mentioned evangelist. What's his name? Stephen. No, Philip. Oh, Philip. Right, Stephen. You're right. Was the Stephen first preached. Martyr, but Philip is the, the only mentioned evangelist. And I almost feel like it, it was for a reason. Because the apostle, Paul, writes to Timothy, who's probably pastor, teacher, right? And says, do the work of an evangelist. So I would rather have somebody who has consistency, character, qualification that is responding to the call in, in which is to go and make disciples. I can, I can teach people that I can't, I can't create the other. And so we've seen in the few belongs that are starting up and the different ones, one in Woodland, uh, with with Matthew Brady, one out in Florida with TJ, they both told me at the beginning, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm not an evangelist. I'm like, no, you're the right guy. Because you, you've got a, a more complete picture. Like they, if that makes yeah. sense. And then you throw a couple spark plugs in there, like a Johnny Box, guy like Gabe, these different individuals. And you have that mixture of the two. It's explosive. Yeah. It really, really works. And I think it's important to note as well that the apostle, right? Apostle Paul, like the, the picture of what an apostle is, right? Um, wrote much in the New Testament. He was a missionary evangelist. And so in, in, in today's world, at least I'll just speak in the West, it's like this, an apostle in, in many regards is this person that's arrived to, I don't know, it kind of gets weird. Like, like these people that have somehow outgrown that. But when you read through the book of Acts, Paul and Timothy are going into places, Paul and Barnabas are going into places, and they're making disciples, they're preaching the gospel. So that, that apostle is, 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 an, is, is, an, is a missionary evangelist. Mm out there doing it as well. And so somewhere along the way, um, we've gotten comfortable as a church and we begin to neglect that call to go and make disciples. Yeah. 
It's, it is interesting. Like I've, I've, I've been able to watch it too, through this, this process in a number of locations actually. And there is a consistency. What I, what I find really interesting is the people that are going through discipleship that are, that are hearing the gospel, um, responding to the call, um, they're filled with the Holy spirit and they're being discipled intentionally they're much less of a cultural Christian and much more of a son and a daughter. Yes. Like the, the, it, I'm seeing the fruit of it, um, help these people become mature believers and they don't exactly adopt the culture of the church they're going to, but they, because they're diving into scripture as their foundation, not just theological bullet points, but actual scripture. And they're listening to the Holy spirit. Like they're, they're maturing quicker. And some of them are even turning around and becoming more evangelistic quite quickly. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I think it's because so much, we, again, in the West, and I want to be only from my own perspective, but we try to fit everything in on Sunday morning. Sunday morning's the show. It's like, it's like, it's like Sunday night football or something like that. And then maybe we have a supplementary, like, Hey, we have youth over here, but we're trying to give an individual everything in one moment in that one. So a person might get saved. They come in, who knows what series we're in. They might not need necessarily what that series may be good for them, but they need to, we're getting people that don't even know the difference between Genesis and revelations. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so what we're finding is with belong, going back to it being this bridge, right? It's, it's, it's giving new believers what they need so that then when they do step into a church context, they're like, oh, that's what worship is. Or, oh yeah, the Bible. Okay, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I actually know where to turn in the Bible. Yeah. Or, hey, uh, Jesus, right, if a Hispanic person comes, isn't my neighbor named Jesus. Like, I mean, we have people that literally don't, have never heard the name of Jesus in Fort Worth, Texas. So I think we've gotten so good at doing Sunday morning and I don't want to change Sunday morning. I mean, I would say probably with Aaron, one of the greatest honors is preaching on Sunday morning at any local church. Right. Love it. Like you cut me open. I believe the local church, but we're missing the mark in some areas for how can we take care of these new believers? And we're on the verge of a Jesus revolution and another one or a Jesus movement. I believe in America, there's a big uh, revival that's coming. I mean, you witnessed it yesterday and we're going to have to shift our mindset from Sunday morning only to how are we going to meet these people, disciple these people throughout the week? It's got to have to be, a sh- there's going to have to be a shift. So it really sounds like we've been talking about this office of the evangelist during this time. And it really sounds like the, evangelist that the church needs to understand that the purpose of the evangelist is to raise the church up in evangelism. Yes. Um, the evangelist needs to understand that it's impossible to um, raise up healthy believers without these other gifts intact. Absolutely. And it creates this intricate bond, this yeah. necessary bond between the two. And if, if we honor one another better, if we understand one another better, if we, 
if we build true relationship and true trust with one another, then what we're going to see is the church grow, not just churches grow, but the church grow in, in, in not just size, but in unity through that process. Yes. So the, really we need to see more of the office of evangelists come and, and, and become fathers to the church, not just loud people on the streets. Don't shut up though. Like keep being loud on the street. I would say there's people who have the gift that could grow into the office of an evangelist, but they're not stewarding the gift and and the church isn't growing the gift because, and quite frankly, it's, it's not common to see. And I don't think a lot of churches, our church, there was a season where we weren't equipped to even to know how to do that. And right. sometimes you need somebody who walks in that gift to begin to help shift that perspective of how do you steward somebody who's passionate about evangelism, but the church isn't. And how, how does, how does the church relate to that person? How does that person grow and honor the pastor and the leader? How, yeah. how do, how do, how do people who feel uncomfortable by the evangelists still love them and steward them as they're growing and developing their gift while they're raw and crazy, right? How do we yeah. steward them and not, quiet them down and prevent them from really developing that gift. And it's a tender balance. It is. It is. There's one kind of last thought here. It was there and then it lifted. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. Just give me a moment. It has to do with um, the, the desire to raise up evangelists to send them into healthy churches that have a grid for that. So, okay. So in, in my experience and my perspective, when somebody thinks I'm going to start a church, right? They think, okay, we've got to have, we've got to have a building. We've got to have um, a, a worship leader. We've got to have good kids ministries. And, and they're not normally thinking evangelism normally is. Um, what do we do when our church isn't growing? Yes. Or we need to have a good marketing team. Right. How do we build? So this is going to sound really bad, but I'm going to say it. So we go, (laughs) I'm just going to say it. We go and we hire an unspiritual person to market our church that doesn't hold a fivefold gift, right? And they're promoting our church through social media, through these other things, which is, which is fine. And there are, there are people that are spiritual that do that. So I'm not knocking that, but we would, we go after a person that has a gift to market or to make a cool content or a cool sign. I'm for all that stuff. And we don't even think, where's the evangelist? Where, where's, if we're going to start a church, we should probably have an evangelist. Let's find an evangelist. If, and I believe that if churches would begin to do that, church growth would not just be, we stole 10 people from that church, right. 100 people from this church but we'd actually see real church growth that would begin to take place. So that is like what's in my heart. So when I'm sitting with different uh, leaders and I actually, I, I know evangelists that have quit their job at a church. And this is why they take the position and then they find themselves two years later doing budgets, right? Planning Easter egg hunts. Yes, those are the best, best, and, best forms of evangelism. And Christmas present giveaways. Yes. And so if if you put me in a situation as an evangelist, as as doing just organizational tasks, you might as well, like, it's awful, right? Instead of saying, um, Chris, you're most effective out there 
So why don't you go out there and create a wake and then look back in a year from now, two years from now, you're going to have 50, 60 people following you. And we're going to begin to create momentum and have a new believer revival. So I've talked to pastors and I've tried to explain to them, hire an individual, let them go out and share their faith, create a net for new believers. And they've, they've looked at me at times and said, I don't, I don't know if we do that. I don't, like you'd have to, they need to do some office time, right? They need to be in a couple meetings, staff meetings, good. But I believe that we have death by meetings in the, in the, in the church today, 500 meetings that maybe we could cut 10 meetings down to one. Some of the most successful things that I've seen in evangelism in the local church is we've done staff outreach days, generation church. We gathered all of the staff production team, uh, worship team, kids ministry team. We equipped them. They went out for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes, eight decisions for Jesus. All of a sudden, the church staff is like, this is incredible. It's what we're created for. But we have church staffs all over America. Again, I'm getting a little bit bold here, but they're actually scared or ashamed or unequipped to share their faith. And I think everybody on a church staff should be equipped in some capacity to share their faith. So we're, we're missing the evangelist in the body of Christ. And we have a heart to lovingly bring that back. That's my heart. I think there's that other train of thought too, that many in the church today, leaders, any attenders, they look at the world today and they're like, man, it's bad out there. Yeah. I mean, read the news, you look at what, you know, people are allowed to do these days or promote to children to do to their bodies or what's tolerated in our culture. And it's like, oh, it's the worst it's ever been. I don't know how many times you guys have heard that. I hear that yeah. the Every worst day. it's yep. ever been out there. Every day. Um, and so we, we, we look at the situation when we're like, oh man, I don't, man, I don't think God can move in this. Like, this is really bad. And then we're scared. We first of all look at it and we're like, we're intimidated because well, they're not going to like what I have to say. And if I do say, what difference is it going to make? And so we get this mentality, like this bunker mentality where just hide away and stay safe, shield your family, shield your church. Don't talk about issues. Don't talk about homosexuality or abortion or gender identity. Don't talk about any of that and just try to shield it all away. And maybe Jesus will come back and save us, which is exactly why we get the verse in scripture where it's the fields are ready for harvest. Right. Don't say it's but four months off, right? They were saying right. it back then. They're saying it today. Oh, harvest can't come. We need to wait. Wait for some. Wait for a different person to get in office. Wait for a political climate to change. Wait for cultural, economic, or social economic climate change. That's when God can move. It's like no, the laborers are few today. The harvest is ready to go get, and that's so much a part of what. 33rd is about is, is we're not going to look at factors or variables today in culture and say, that's oh, an inhibitor. No, it's an opportunity. And we just want to gather up as many labors as we can to go yeah. reap the harvest that's ready and available to be reaped and harvested. It's going to come with the church understanding the importance of the evangelist in the church. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you did such a good job explaining. Did you see that. the tension yeah. in me when I'm sharing it? That's what I want evangelists. I'm like apologizing as I'm saying things. But you feel, there's there's a fire in me. It's yeah. like but on the other side I'm like 
but I love the pastor. I love the teacher. I love, and it's not all about evangelism. Like I know we but, know, but you bleed evangelism, right? Yes. But I have a grid outside of that to go, okay. We, for instance, we know many people that, that share their faith all the time and their, their family life, their personal life, their financial life it's is a, a wreck. So sharing your faith doesn't make you an, a superior Christian. Right. Right. And that's, that's, that's why you see that tension in me. It's like, okay, I'm just going to say it and I'll say it. But I, because I want the church to hear my heart and feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but I want the church to know. I, I think that him. you even said it. You're like, well, you bleed evangelism. And, and yes, in a sense he does. But I think all of us, we, when you bleed Jesus, right. And I know that can sound cliche, but there's a well-roundedness to the gospel. And many times what we do is we pick our little corner that we're efficient in and we're good. And we're That's like, right. I will grow in that area. These are somebody else's, I'm going to grow in this area of my life. And we neglect whatever it may be. Maybe we were hurt by a prophetic person back in the day and we don't have anything to do with the prophetic. Maybe we were hurt by a teacher. They spoke heresy and I don't want to study scripture or an evangelist, whatever it may be. And we don't become, so then what happens is you get, an evangelist, right, who says, I'm only going to focus on this area, and their home life is a mess, right? So it doesn't matter what area you focus on. If you don't stay well-rounded and you don't yeah. go to the Lord every day and say, search me and see if there be any wicked in me, and you don't pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him every day, it doesn't matter what you bleed. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, and that, if that's the only thing you focus on, there's going to be a huge blind spot in your life. Yeah.